Father, such a joy to have a family of God, being able to worship the King of glory. What an honor we have. Maybe strange to some people, but because we love Jesus, we're not peculiar. In fact, the Bible does call us peculiar, aliens. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Our home is beyond the sky. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness and your love and your grace. Thank you, Father. That I know and I sense you've done a work in the hearts of your church tonight. Already, Lord, you've prepared. You've plowed the, the ground of our hearts to receive the good seed of your word. Come and plant tonight, Lord. And may there be growth as a result of what we will hear tonight. Father, you have a plan for each one that has come up here. We just thank you for each one, Lord, the family of God. For every visitor that is here tonight. May the incredible peace, the overwhelming goodness of God flood the lives of your people. We thank you for that tonight, Lord. What a joy to be in your presence like this. Thank you, Jesus. Just listen, we got a word here. Yeah? Who deny Christ? Many. Right from the beginning, there have been many that deny Christ. But you know what? It doesn't faze him at all. Because he is Lord. God isn't faced by what I feel and what I may say. He is who he is. And the proof is billions and billions of souls over the last 2,000 years who have just received a tiny touch, just a tiny touch from this Jesus. And that life is never the same again. You know, we sing a song in the prisons. Touching Jesus is all that matters. And your life... It will never be the same. There is only one way to know Him. Just believe when you call on His name. This evening when we were up in the prayer room, I just felt the presence of God so overwhelming upon me. I fell down on my knees and I asked God, show me Jesus. Lord, I want to see you. And Robbie then prayed as well, Lord, we want to see you. And straight away God revealed to me Revelation 4, the throne room of heaven. He showed me a sea of crystal glass. And on it was the throne of God. Around the throne was a rainbow with the most beautiful colors. Emerald, gold, diamonds, crystals. 
Ruby, you name it. And all day long around the throne flew the four beasts singing holy, 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 holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the 24 elders took their crowns off their, feet, their heads and they laid it down at the feet of Jesus. And they sang with the beasts, You are worthy, O God, to receive all glory and honor. And on this throne sat a figure brighter than the sun. His train filled the temple floor. And in his hand, he had a scroll. And that is all I could see. Because Jesus is far too worthy to be looked upon. Only when we go home one day, will we see him in all his glory. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's a holy God, eh? We serve an amazing Heavenly Father. Praise God. Are you ready to receive the word? I believe a really now word. I believe God is really going to challenge us and speak to us and encourage us. It's always such an honor to have Pastor Sid and Alvin with us. And please, Pastor Sid, come share the word as God has laid in your heart. As I say, it's always such a joy to have a special brother and mentor whom I love dearly. Amen. Come, let's give God a hand. Thanks, ministry team. Well, good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. It's a real honor and a privilege to, to stand here and to minister to you in this lovely church. It's like our second home. And, um, and it's good to see everyone here. And I want to speak for a few minutes on, on, on this subject. Take the limits of God. How many of you believe that God can do anything? You really believe that? Okay. So, in the 1800s, there was a man by the name of John Blondin who was a tightrope tight walker. And he walked across the Niagara Falls. And at that stage, he used to draw up to about 10,000 people to watch him. I don't know if they wanted to see him fall off there or what, but they, they'd watch him. In 1859, he took a wheelbarrow, he put his manager in it, and he walked across the Niagara Falls. When he got to the other end, you could imagine the applause and everyone going crazy and how great he was and so on. So he asked this question. How many of you believe that I can take a person back to the other side? <laughs> so you can imagine, I go, yeah, you know, because he's the year and so on. So then he, he posed this question. He says, who would like to volunteer? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was still in the kerk. So what's my point? We all know that God can do anything. In fact, God can do in one moment of time what man cannot do in a lifetime. But that doesn't help you and me. And I think very often that's where we limit God. 
Because God is saying to us, I don't just want you to believe that I'm able. I want you to get into this wheelbarrow and put your trust in me. And let's trust him together. And so, as I said, the title is Take the Limits of God in Our Own Lives. And in Psalm 78 verse 40, it says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness, that's the, the children of Israel, and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted and tested God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And I want to go straight on to, to just before the, those, that verse, I want to go to verse 19 and 20. It says, They spoke against God. They said, Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True. He struck the rock, and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his, for his people? And you see, what had happened is, is God had, had taken and had delivered Israel, who were in captivity, and slaves, put it that way, they were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. At the right time, God came and he delivered his, the, the whole nation of Israel. One day. And he was taking them on a journey into what he called the promised land. But because they were slaves for so, for so long, he didn't just take them from Egypt into Canaan. He took them on a detour. Why? Because he wanted to do a few things in their lives. You see, God wants to do something in us before he does something for us and something through us. And so he took them into the wilderness. And they came to the Red Sea. Immediately, I mean, try and put yourself there. It's easy to talk about these Bible stories, but put yourself in that spot. So now all of a sudden you've got the, uh, Egypt changed their minds and said, Neaman, on said, Fout Because these guys were serving us and so they went after Israel. Now they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got the, the Egyptians coming at full pace behind them. So I want to ask you a question. What would your response have been? Sorry? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I like that. Start swimming. Hey, but that, <laughs> that lake was far. I mean, <laughs> we're not talking like the Iron Man or anything over there. So, so, so we know the story. So, so what happened is God left it for a while. And then he said to Moses, go. And he took his rod and he struck that water. And as we heard, is that the Red Sea opened up. And they walked not in shallow water, they walked on dry ground. So there are about two million Israelites, it's, in, it's, it's estimated. But not just the Israelites, it's all their cattle and whatever else they had. The whole nation goes through that, that sea on dry ground. What would that have done to you? Maybe the same response would have happened with them. So they get to the other side. Yes, God came through us. Null scrap. 
But he came, he came through us, and so Miriam got the tambourine. They started to dance. They started to rejoice in the Lord. And, you know, God is, is, our, is our victory, and the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. You know the whole thing. And they rejoiced, and, and everything was fine. Yes, God is so great. God is so good. But then he leads them straight to Mara. And Mara was, was where there was bitter water. So what was their response? Was their response, hey guys, our God is good. Our God is going is to help us in this way. He, he took us through the Red Sea. I mean, please, what a great miracle that is. God has promised us we're going into Canaan land. We're on our way. So let's, let's sit back and see how God's going to help us this time. No. So they started to moan and complain because they had short memories. And you see, God is trying to build faith into them through that journey, trying to build faith. The other thing the Bible says is God wanted to see what was in their hearts. Are we serving God just because of what he does for us? Some people, it's almost like God is a waiter. He comes to your table, all right, what can I do for you today? Hey, bless my family and help my children. Have you ever noticed most of our prayers are very selfish? There's nothing wrong in that sense, but I'm just saying, and we've got this whole list that we want God to do for us. And you see, God isn't our servant. We've been called to be His servants. And in serving Him, He blesses us. And so, I'm not going through the whole story, but time and time again, God took them from one place to, of a challenge to build faith into them, to build trust into them, so that they would be ready for what God had prepared for them. Did you get that? So they would be ready for what God had prepared for them. But what happened is, they didn't go that route. And they blew it, and you know that that generation died in the wilderness. And it was their children that went into Israel. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that because, yeah, we are. We're serving the same God. Have you ever faced any problems in your life? Have you ever had any promises from God? Does anyone, anyone, have any promises from God? Did he, did he fulfill them immediately for you? Okay, so the deal is this, and we're going to do some of the promises. The deal is this, that God is God. And God doesn't want us to limit Him. God can do anything, and God will do everything that He's promised us. But the key is this. God wants to work in us before He's going to work for us and through us. But don't, let's not be like the Israelites who limited God, they said, can God? Now we've seen him do the water, we've seen him do the Red Sea. But can God provide a meal for us in the wilderness? Now have you, have you thought about the uh, logistics of that? About two million people. So how much water would they need a day to survive? I'm not doing the maths. I wasn't ever that great at maths. But you can do the maths. So to feed them, if they wanted meat, how many 
birds would they need to feed two million people a day? So, two million birds. Hey, those birds weren't—they weren't big, eh? So, so, one bird per person. Yeah, that's fine. Two million birds a day. Can God do it? Yeah, yeah, he can. But he, and, and he did. But we need to ask ourselves that question. You see, they said, can God do it? And because they doubted the power of God, because they doubted God keeping his word, what did they do? They limited God. And if there's one thing that God doesn't like, and that's when we grow unbelief in our hearts. And so I'm saying, let's take the limit of God Let's climb into that wheelbarrow and say, Lord, here we are. We trust in you for whatever you've promised us. And so, and so God has, has given us promises and he can keep his promises. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So the new King James simply says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church. So it just goes a little bit further over there. So God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to believe Him according to His promises, listen to this, for the impossible. Amen. So what are, you, what are some of his promises? Well, he's promised us eternal life. In John 1 verse 12, it says, For as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. Amen. Who are not born by the will of man or by flesh or anything, but by the Spirit of God. He's, he's promised provision. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We don't pursue things. We pursue God. We pursue his kingdom. And then he gives us the things that we need. He's promised protection. Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2 says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. Amen. He's promised us wisdom in James chapter 1, 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not re rebuke you for asking. Courage, Joshua 1, 9. And there are many scriptures about all these things. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord my God is with you wherever you go. Healing. In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Amen. What about the, Holy, the promise of the Holy Spirit? 
In Acts chapter 1, 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. You'll receive power. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, 18, it's a command. It says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. When you get the Holy Spirit, you almost get like a party atmosphere, don't you? So, and God wants us filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because one reason, the Holy Spirit takes us from the natural realm into the supernatural realm. In the natural realm, we all have limitations, all of us. In the, in the spirit realm, there are no limitations. And I normally use that example because he said that, and then in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, and Peter's life was transformed, and he ministered with such boldness that 3,000 souls gave their hearts to the Lord in one day. That's a different Peter from just before when he, when he denied the Lord. So, the, so the, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so in Acts chapter 3, what does he do? They walk into the temple to pray, and there's a lame man, lame from birth. And he walks up to him, 40 years of age. He walks up to him and says, Silver and gold I don't have, but that which I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he didn't even wait for the guy to get up. He took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And it says, and he began to, to, to walk and to leap and to praise God. And in every area of our lives, God takes us from the natural to the supernatural when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's when we become real witnesses for the Lord because he is a supernatural God. Amen. Well, thanks for your enthusiasm on that one. You know. So what do we need to do? Number one, I want to say we need to obey. In Isaiah 119, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you look at the promises of God, nearly all His promises have conditions. Amen. And so often we overlook the conditions. And we just go for the promise. Salvation, which is wonderful. If God promises us eternal life, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what must we do? We must believe, and as John 1.12 says, I quoted that, we must receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that's what we do, instantaneously a miracle takes place and we get born again. We've always all heard of that term, born again. Why? Because something tremendous happens in the spirit realm. We become a child of God. And there's a great change in us, and that change continues in life because in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So as someone said, God accepts us as we are, wherever we are. And we're all sinners. Amen. I nearly said some are more, are more sinners than others are. 
And so a friend of mine used to say, a tall guy, used to say, to look at me and say, Sid, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. It says, your ancestors must be bigger sinners than my ancestors. <laughs> because, because I'm taller. But God, he, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, he receives us. But the key is this. He doesn't leave us as we are. He begins to work in us. He transforms us. He begins to work in it. And he wants Jesus to come out of us more and more. He has predestinated us to become like him. The image of Jesus. And if we're not changing, then what? Then we're disobedient. And so we need to allow God to work in our lives in that way. We respond to him. You see, Christianity is not keeping another bunch of laws. It's him in us. And he puts desires in us that we never had. And he convicts us of things that we have had that are, that are limiting us and that's not godly. And so what happens, it's almost like we don't give them up, they give us up. Does it make sense to you? Because he's working in us all the time. But it happens. And eternal life doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins the moment we give our lives to Jesus. And we become children of God and we develop that relationship with the Lord. You can go to the others as well. Even provision, it says, Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So what, what must we do? We must obey. We must do our part. We must start seeking the kingdom of God above everything else. And his principles. We need to get into discipleship. We need to learn to know Jesus more. We need to, to pursue his kingdom. Amen. And we do that. What's the promise to us? He will give us everything that we need. How many of you found that out? And so I don't want to get to all these over there. Same with protection. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in, in the shadow of the Almighty. We must live close to Him. When we live close to Him, what happens? We have His protection. And I want to say this, is, is that we need to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And I've heard of testimonies. I want to say two things on this. I've heard of testimonies where people have been mugged or they've been hijacked or, or broken in, whatever the case is. And then you start talking to them and say, you know what, eh? I had a feeling something's going to happen. Something inside of me said, don't do this or do that. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? But they didn't listen. And so they didn't listen. What happened? They went through it. But I'm not saying it's always like that. So no matter what happens to us, and my wife's got a favorite scripture. No matter what happens, is that remember Romans 8.28. For all things work together for good to those who love God. Doesn't stop there. To those who are called according to his purpose. When we make God our purpose, what happens? He looks after us no matter what happens to us. And I think most of you know my story about when I was preaching on, on if you can keep your joy, the devil can't keep your goods. Anyone remember that story? You don't. Okay, so then I'll refresh your memory. So, so, so what happened is we had an old Peugeot 
404 station wagon. They were good in their day. And the emphasis in their day, mine was outdated. But I had this, this Persia, you see. So I'm preaching in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, around about verse 35, where it said they take joyfully the, the spoiling or plundering of their goods, knowing they had a more enduring inheritance in heaven. So I'm preaching about this. Keep your joy, and the devil can't keep your goods because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and sometimes he steals your good to make you feel down, and he robs you of your joy, and then you're weak, and then he does other stuff in your lives, and whatever the case is. So I'm preaching, and all of a sudden I stop. And I say, I don't mind if the devil steals my old Persia. I'll believe God for a BMW. And I walk outside, and the Persia is gone. <laughs> so... <laughs> What do you do now? <laughs> I'll, ju- I'll just say this, that they also stole my deacon's car. <laughs> one of the deacons. Yes, he was upset with me. <laughs> so he, he had one of those barracudas. Remember the barracuda? He comes, yeah, it's all very well to say that, but they've stolen my car as well. <laughs> so I said, never mind, just rejoice. You know, God will give you something better, and God did, actually. And so there we are, and, and so we trusted God. We got our family together. It was even before, nice to have John and my son with us over here. It was, it was before he was born even. And there we are, we had two children. We'd come every day, we'd be praising God for our BMW and so on. And within a couple of months, guess what? God blessed us with a BMW. And I'm not going to do all the details. But guys are ragging me. Guys in the ministry are ragging me. Do you have the steering wheel yet? Do you have a hubcap and blah, blah, blah. So, so I got the car. I went right to the headquarters, parked it right outside, right outside the door where these guys are ragging me, you see. And I said nothing. But as I looked back at the BMW, I saw that little logo, BMW. All I saw was believe my word. So anyway, there's a testimony. So, so <laughs> Thanks. God gives us, his promised us wisdom. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The context of that scripture is this. Count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of trials and difficulties and troubles. Yeah, that's the condition. And you see, then it carries on and says, because God's going to work in you through it. Let him work in you because you'll come out mature. You'll come out a better person than what you intend. Then he says, if you need wisdom, ask God for wisdom. So in those times of trials, and you don't know what's happening around about you. It's like life has thrown a curveball at you. And in that whole confusion, what's going on over here? We come to him, Father, thank you. You're working in me. And we count it all joy. How many of you, when, when stuff happens to you like that, you lose a job, or this happens, or that happens, or whatever, how many of you, of you the first thing you do is say, thank you, Jesus. You see, get into the wheelbarrow. Don't just believe God can do it. We need to apply it ourselves. And I want to say this is, is that God does help us. When we ask him for wisdom in those situations, he gives us wisdom. And we handle the situation. And we all go through trouble. Some of it is our own making. Some of it isn't our own making. 
And it wasn't too long ago we went through a whole, I did, I went through a whole lot of trouble and stuff. I didn't know what was happening. What I did, I got into the presence of God and I just stayed there and said, God, I need your wisdom. How do I handle this? And it's amazing how God gave me wisdom. How to handle that, I went through it. God turned the whole thing right around. 180 degrees. He turned that around. We came out better than what we went in. Anyone say amen? amen. So what we need to do, we need to obey what God said. I'm not going into all the others. But there, we need to fulfill the conditions and obey Him. Then the next thing we need to do is believe the promises. We need to mix it with faith. Remember God promised Abraham a son. Not only a son, he also said to him, your seed will be like the stars of heaven and like the sand on the seashore. Remember that. But you will have a son. And God waits until he's, he, got, he got that promise when he was 75 years of age. He got the son when he, when he was 100. How long did he wait? 25 years. How many of you know sometimes we get impatient? And then, you know, God's forgotten now. He's forgotten. Don't limit God. He knows what he said. He's going to keep his word to us. But how many of you found out God doesn't always do it immediately? Seldom does he do it immediately for the reason that I gave. But yes, yes, A.B., and so it says about him in, in Romans 4, 16, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham, so Abraham is the father of all who believe. In verse 20 it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. If God has promised you something, if you have received a promise and you're saying, God, I'm believing you for my healing. I'm just using one example. I'm believing you for my healing. Does the Bible say, by the stripes of Jesus we healed? So we can take that promise. But it may not happen immediately. And I don't know why. But it may not happen immediately. Maybe God's trying to work something in us as well. But, like Abraham, what did Abraham do? Every year went by. Every year went by. Ten years. Fifteen years. What would it do to you? I found that generally, with us people and us Christians, we start off full of faith. How many of you know what I mean? After five years, hey, that faith has dropped a little bit. After 10 years, yeah, 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 yeah. Now it starts leaking out. Does it make sense to anyone? But not Father Abraham. Father Abraham, five years goes by. Yes, I'm five years closer to the promise. Fifteen years closer to the promise. Five years closer. Ten years go, nothing happened. Yeah, I'm ten years closer to the promise. He grew strong in faith. Why? Because he never doubted 
God's word. It says he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. And he is full of faith. And that's how God wants us to be. You see, eventually it starts playing tricks with our minds and, and we think, no, you know, because if God doesn't do it in this way and in this time, then we give up. Rather than saying, no, God has promised this to me. I've received it. I've received my healing. I thank God every day for my healing. My day of breakthrough is coming. Amen. And I believe that a day of breakthrough is coming for some people yet at night. How many of you can believe that? I just had a sense that God wants to touch people tonight who suffer from eczema, maybe as a, re- a result of allergies or something like that. I believe that God wants to touch people and heal back. Some people have been suffering for, from back trouble for quite a while. And I believe tonight's the night that God wants to touch you and give you a breakthrough. I have a sense that there's some people, someone over here may be suffering from, from kidney trouble, and I don't know all the details. I just had this picture in my mind. And God says, tonight's your night. He wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. I believe that God wants to touch people who've been suffering from asthma, and he wants to set you free tonight. Is that good news for anyone here tonight? So we're going to minister there now now. And so what, what we need to do, we need to mix the promises with faith. And trust our God. Take the limits off God. We need to be patient. As I said, don't go weak in faith. Let God work in us before he works for us and through us. Amen. So Mark 10, 27 simply says this. God looked, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. We serve the God who can. And so like that scripture says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And God, we repent of so often in different ways limiting you. And we say, can God? We may not say it out loud, but that's what we think in our hearts. Can God? Because it looks like nothing's changed. But Father, we want to start saying from now onwards, not only can God, God will. Because you're the keeper of your word. And you're all-powerful. You can do in one moment of time what man cannot do in a lifetime. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And I just want to say, if God has spoken to anyone here and you've been feeling a little bit discouraged, or you're not trusting God the way that you should or, or used to, or anything like that, and you say, tonight I'm taking the limits of God. I'm going to climb into that wheelbarrow with God. I'm putting all my faith and trust in Him. And He's taking me into the promised land, into what He's promised me. I'm going to trust Him all the way. If there's anyone like that tonight, I'd like to pray for you. Then I invite you just to stand right now. Anyone of you, let's just stand. We're just going to pray for you for breakthrough tonight.
Amen. And maybe there's someone over here that you've never given your heart to the Lord. You don't know what it is to have this eternal life. But you say, tonight's my night. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. They invite you to stand also. Is there anyone like that over here? And you're welcome to stand. Father, I thank you for everyone who's standing here tonight. And just we want to declare before you, we're taking limits off you in Jesus' name. We serve a supernatural God. You're going to keep every promise of your word to us. And help us just be sensitive to you. Because Lord, we want you to work in us. We want to be led by you. We want to obey you and obey your word. And bring you glory in Jesus' name. And God, we trust in you for testimonies tonight. That you're going to turn trials into testimonies. That we can share with others the goodness of our God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so I just want to say this as we close. Is that those people that I've mentioned, if there's anyone, if you're that person, and you'd like me to minister to you, Please come to the front now, and we're going to, we'd love to minister to you. And I'm excited because we're going to see breakthrough in people's lives. Amen. God bless you.